This week, Ryan Casey is back. He and I will be discussing the 2013 film Ender's Game. so much for joining me. So I am a big fan of the original four books in the Ender series. Uh, I read them a long time ago when I was a young adult, I guess you could say. I guess I'm still a young adult. When I was a younger adult, uh, I read these books, fell in love with them. So you might be surprised to learn that I never watched the movie Ender's Game when it came out in 2013. So Ryan recommended that I watch it and we do a podcast about it. And I'm like, you know what? It's time. Let's watch this movie. So he came over and we watched it and we recorded this conversation right after, which I'll share with you in just a couple minutes. So he and I talked about the books. Both of us had read those original four books and neither of us had really read much of the Ender's Shadow series. I didn't even realize that Orson Scott Card is still writing books in this series. As far as I knew, there was only eight books total, but I just looked it up as I was putting this episode together and there's a bunch more that I have not read. And the last time I read these books was a long time ago. So uh, this is a fun episode in which Ryan and I talk about books that we hardly remember and a movie that we just watched. (laughs) That's coming up in just a couple minutes. I want to talk a little bit about the Solo trailer before we get into this. Solo, a Star Wars story. So I've had a couple of people ask me my, my take on the trailer that came out recently. I haven't talked about it yet on the show. I wanted to give it a couple of weeks to marinate because I feel weird about it. (laughs) I'll try to describe my feelings about the Solo trailer. So when I saw the trailer for The Force Awakens or for Rogue One or for The Last Jedi, each of these trailers, the first time I saw them, I was spellbound and instantly super excited and it was just tugging on my nostalgia button and I just wanted to be in that theater and watch that movie. Uh, I didn't feel that way with with Solo. Um, I'm having a hard time seeing somebody else play Han Solo. I I'm having a hard time taking him seriously as Han Solo. I feel like I'm watching a fan film. It doesn't feel real to me to see someone else besides Harrison Ford in that part. And I think that maybe this movie might not be my cup of tea just because of that. I'm, I i don't know. It's something about him as Han Solo in the trailer that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I feel bad. I mean... <laughs> I know this kid's having a hard time. Like It was publicly announced in the middle of production that they hired an acting coach because Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy were not happy with his performance as Han Solo, so they hired an acting coach to try to get him closer to something. I don't know. We don't really know the details of that story besides the fact that that coach was hired. Um, and I, I, it's such big shoes to fill, and I'm not 100% sure if they've got the right guy for the part. There's nothing about him in the trailer that excited me as far as seeing this actor as Han Solo. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Of course, I mean, the visuals looked awesome. Lando looks awesome. Everything else about it looked really cool and was really exciting. But I was just feeling like I was watching this weird thing with one piece that didn't fit and everything else that felt right, and it made me feel weird. (laughs) And I've seen nothing but excitement for the solo trailer online, so I hesitate to even throw that opinion out there. But you know what? That's my opinion, throwing it out there. Obviously, I'm still going to see the movie, and I I hope for the best, but I, I feel like Young Han Solo might be something that's best relegated to the world of the expanded universe novels, because you can imagine young Harrison Ford, and it works so well. And I... I, I just, I don't know if this is the best idea for a movie. And I'm also a little concerned about these Star Wars movies coming out so quickly, one after the other, and it, it's, it feels weird. Is it just me, or does it feel weird? It's like, it's not necessarily too much of a good thing, it's just that I have this feeling that maybe this movie might crash and burn. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'll be the first one to be happy if I'm wrong. Anyway, speaking of Harrison Ford, let's talk about Ender's Game, another movie in which there is Harrison Ford. Here we go. Brian Casey, welcome back to the podcast. Yes, it's good to be here. Uh, we just watched Ender's Game. Ender's Game? I have a lot to say. I'm so glad that... I'm not going to so play this game anymore, <laughs> he said. Well, <laughs> while we were watching the movie, I was having this like intense urge 
to be shouting about the movie while it was happening. That and then I remembered fine. that we were about to record a podcast. I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. This is good. I mean, we could have talked about it more. I almost fell asleep for a second. I stayed yeah. too late last night. So. <laughs> and I got cozy. I, I kept hearing, like, one snore, and then you'd be, like, awake. Yeah, that's that's what I, I, I snore so well that I immediately start snoring if I even kind of fall asleep. Wow. So it happens where... You woke yourself up a I lot. Just, I just wake myself up. I you go, were doing that thing you see, like, a little kid do where they're like... Falling asleep and then, oh, I'm awake. Yeah, I'm awake. I never fell asleep. I'm going to wake the whole time. It happened like four times. <laughs> but you've seen this movie before, right? Yeah, I've watched it a couple times. Oh, I wow. Think. Okay. This was I my first time. I watched it at least twice when it came out, I think. Nice. So, yeah. Which was what, like 2004 or five or something? Really? Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while back. I Maybe No, 2009. When was this movie out, came, did? I would say 2010-ish. Let's see. That's what I'm... Predicting this kind of how. Uh, okay, let's look. Ender's Game. You know that thing like produced by oh, c- production companies. No one's that ever no heard, one's of. heard of. It looked nice though. It did look nice, but also it, it's the thing where it's like, yeah, the sets are real oh. small because they're in space stations. Twenty thirteen. I was way off. It could have been like I was a off pretty... by a decade. Oh yeah. See, yeah. It could have been bad. pretty low budget. Yeah. I so okay. no, I don't know. We should set this up a little bit. Um. We talked about this a little bit before, but you and I have both read the original Ender's books, like the quadrilogy of Ender's books. It's a quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. It's a great word. Uh, and then he, ma- so Orson Scott Card wrote those, and then he made another quadrilogy about Bean. Did he make four more books? He did. Wow. That's uh, the first of which oh, was Ender's all about Shadow. Bean? Like yeah, what it's he like, does afterwards. It's like how you follow Ender's story in the first four. You follow Bean's story in the second four. Yeah, but even though, yeah, but I didn't read them. I got through the f- one and a half of those and then stopped. Uh, but the Ender's books, I adored, adored. I was so into them. Uh, like Ender's Game, Children, no, Speaker for the Dead, Xenocide, and Children of the Mind. Is that right? Yeah, I was trying to even think of what they were even about (laughs) at all. Yeah, it's been so long I wouldn't be able to remember. I just remember adoring those books. No, it's so, I feel like the second two are about, aren't they both about the piggies? And those remember that? Yeah, the, on that other planet. Are they both about that? I think that I think all three of them are kind of one story. And then well, there's no. also like the buggers come back through the queen, and then Ender has to protect that planet, and then Earth wants to destroy them because they have the the aliens on this new planet. And then the fourth one was like all inside of, or there was a bunch of stuff with an AI named Jane, uh, and they. Did I read these books? I don't know. <laughs> I thought I thought. No, you I said did. the piggies. Like the piggies were definitely in piggies, Speaker the for the Piquenos Dead or something. It was like the planet where the piggies were from. Where, where that's Everything the planet was... that was pretty heavy in this in in most of, in all of them. I think it's been so long though. I really, I know they did some traveling in the fourth book to another planet. I really don't remember the, well w- enough. The thing I remember from the last book was a there was a one character and she had like obsessive compulsive thing and she was like tracing the lines on the floor oh, of yeah. this like and it was something about ansible or about being able to it was about fillets it was about being able to communicate instantaneously so i think yeah. it's about the mechanics of how the bugs communicated and it's about how people that you are close to or something you have like a connection to and there's this actual thing that connects your brains and you could use that to communicate instantaneously over any distance. Yeah. Something like that. No, that that rings a bell. Well, it's been so long that I wouldn't be able to talk about those books with but any then, any authority yeah. at all. But then the except whole time, to say that I love them as a kid. Ender's cruising around in his ship being way older than everyone cuz that's yeah. kind of Yeah, oh, the relativistic time travel thing. Yeah, but then he makes a family in what on that piggy planet. He kind of adopts yeah. a family. He's sort of like starts dating a lady and then she thinks she has a family i guess it's something like that yeah it's mm. like ender is an adult and his ad- misadventures and yeah <laughs> i want to look up but i so yeah i really like those books and i really wanted uh ender's game movie for like a really long time i mean as a kid it was that was one of the things that i read that i really wanted to see as a movie oh, so yeah i've wanted to see this forever like battle school yeah dying to see that in a movie and then it came out and the response was lukewarm so i just didn't watch it because i didn't want to be disappointed disappointed yeah and, but it's not disappointing i don't think it's a little weird but yeah. i feel like it is it's pretty good it is the 
book, it gives you, you get to see the uh, the battle room, and that's like the big thing. Yeah. They did a great job yeah. with, the, with the battle room. It's very cool. It looks so good. I really want to play, I, wa- play I know. tag in the battle room. That That's... I mean, I think the thing I connected to most about the first book, Ender's Game, was that I really wanted to train in a battle room. Like, that just sounded so amazing. Well, the... It's like American it, it Gladiators It was a short story first, and the original short story was just called Battle Room. And it's literally oh, really? just about the battle room. And he kind of made everything else up to oh, su- support that know that. That's idea. cool. Yeah, I'm pretty... That, uh, that's, that's interesting, because that doesn't feature at all in the rest of the series. Which, as a kid, was I was no. slightly bummed about, but... I was so interested in all the crazy, you know, weird twisting storylines uh, and really out there sci-fi of the other three books. I just loved it. You know, it was like candy as a kid. And they, they tried to touch on that stuff a little bit in this movie. I mean, you know, Mazer Rackham actually says, I speak for the dead, you know, as he, for the dead. as he did in the first book, which is what Speaker for the Dead is, is named for. Yeah, it's like a thing where he, I don't understand it. It's It's like some sort of position they make up for him where he travels... In hyperspace, not aging, to go with places where people have died and investigate their death. Yeah. And then, and then like, and then speak, speak for them. For yeah. them? Uh, you know, so, it, it's like it, you're it, not it makes sense them. on paper, but it, when you have to see it, it does. I, I, would, I would assume that I would never want to see that movie. Like you know, de- I'm sure it wouldn't like make sense. He's like a detective, but <laughs> he's like that a, doesn't a arrest detective. anyone. He just kind of like, here's yeah. what happened. Yeah, he like figures out. He like investigates the hole that is left by people dying to kind of put together a picture of of who they were because his skill is to see the full picture of something from the outside, which is why he learns how to understand the bugs. Yeah, he's... Did, didn't they call them buggers in the book? Buggers, yeah. Yeah, uh, they never said that in the movie. They just called them bugs the whole time. Yeah, I think I don't know. I was wondering about that. Is it is there like another I mean like oh bugger! Like is there well, another buggery com- connotation? Is, buggery is a thing that means having sex with animals. I think. Oh, I believe. <laughs> so when buggers used sort of as a curse, it's it's. I mean, not it's not. Is used. that what that means? When someone's saying oh bugger, I think so. I don't know things. Yeah, I think buggery. I don't is, know. I'm not British enough to know what that means. I think just words i think that's what that word means <laughs> but i don't know if that's why they just yeah i was wondering about it. that because i've heard it in other kind of it also sounds if you just say bugs that's fine yeah it worked fine buggers is a little it kind of sounds silly when you say it out i'm sure they were yeah, like it reads i'm well. sure they were like writ, write the, the script out and then when everyone was saying buggers everyone's like that kind of sounds dumb let's kind of yeah. change that i so yeah I, you know this was like a really literal adaptation of the book and I feel like there's a couple of instances where things read really well that did not look as good, if that makes sense. Like, I wish that they had not been so literal with the adaptation to to adjust a little bit more for the yeah. fact that it was a film. Yeah. Like, the for me... So, I, I loved most of the movie. I loved, like, two... Like, three quarters of the movie, I was super into it. But when you got towards the end is when I started to have problems. Because... Like, the whole conceit of training children to run the military is really far-fetched, you know? Like, the idea that they trust these children with these weapons is really far-fetched. For me... the book made uh, me believe it, and the movie never quite got me there where I was believing it, if that makes sense. No, that that does make sense. Uh, For me, I think it always... and, and, And watching it this time again, it's... It's it's an extreme version of the reality, which is essentially the military is people who were eighteen to twenty, which to me is a kid. Yeah. It's a kid to me. You know, I mean, when you're eighteen, you're not you don't feel like a child, right? But like the admirals are older men who are career. You know, right. you don't become an that's admiral true. as as a twenty year old. Yeah, kid. he's an admiral because yeah. well, that's because he's the super genius who saved the war. Who, like, yeah, or even like a, a a commander. I would assume you know you have to er, like work your way up through the ranks. And like, I guess like this type of warfare, some pretty young commanders. Yeah, I'm sure there. I I know nothing about the military. I think, but yeah. I, in the book, it made sense to me because they they tied it into the idea that like younger kids are going to be better with the newer technology. Uh, as far as how to run these wars, because they play video games, they uh, can yeah process and, yeah they can they can process information differently and more fluidly, which I think they even said in the movie. And for some reason, maybe because I was a kid when I read this, like I was a teenager, that just really spoke to me. 
I was like, I'm a genius too, and I could lead a fleet also. I think that's yeah. I think that's kind of what. <laughs> well, it's not any different. It was just it's 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 not any different than Harry Potter or Luke Skywalker. It's just a little yeah. more. It's a little more cerebral, cerebral, and a little more like. Yeah, what is he like? Fourteen though. I think in the I think in the book he's younger. I think he starts younger and gets to this age in the book. Doesn't it take place over years in the book? I think it takes place over a longer period of time. Yeah, but I think I feel like in the book he's like nine or ten. I don't know. May I? It's, he's very it's been young. A long time I think for they me. made him older in the movie. Okay, to make it less uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah, when and he, then also like seeing kind of kids like. People. Kids like beating each other up and like, killing each other accidentally. Like you, you can read that stuff and it's you know hard, but then you see it and it's like disturbing. <laughs> so there was an element of that to it. Um, yeah, I think that's why they made him slightly older, so it was a totally. little less upsetting. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the, yeah I'm looking at the s- plot summaries of of the other the other three. books, and I think the first two are about. The first one's all about the piggies. Yeah. And there is his... Com- it, it's basically he travels with a, a computer. Yeah. Is it AI, named Jane? Is named that right? Jane. Okay, yeah. I remember that. I love that character so much. That Jane character. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to read these again. But I kind of... You know, oh, I would read them. I love them. I don't know. I, maybe I shouldn't. I'd probably just pick it apart now. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're interesting sort of... I, I'm not... I don't read a lot of... Um, a lot of the harder science fiction stuff was a little always too dry for me. Like I yeah. could never read Foundation. I tried. Yeah, I tried to and failed with it. Foundation yeah. also. Um, but these are like still kind of novel, pulpy novels. But but they're dealing with just like hard sci-fi stuff where there's right. not it's not action or anything. They're like it's all about aliens and the stories and like trying to find communicating a place for the high for the queen and he's like writing a book about the piggies because the the piggies end up it's like they don't know what the deal is but then it turns out that the whole planet is symbiotic between plants and the animals so the flora and fauna like turn into each other remember that yeah 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 the piggies are like born born out out of of a tree yeah and there's something with like grass and these other animals that are like eat the grass, but like are the grass. Yeah. Yeah. And Ender's the only one who can piece together what's happening in this natural ecosystem because yeah. he's the one who can see like the full thing with the holes it leaves behind because he speaks for the dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't about him speaking for the dead as much as like he's just helping smart. like helping this ecosystem to thrive and real. I think didn't he realize that the buggers could have a place there? No, I think later they he finds a place f- where everyone can live. I don't know. I'm, I've been I'm scanning. Yeah, I, I should have looked at I it. I remember earlier. Earth come Earth is coming to kill them because they have buggers and they want to eradicate all the buggers. Still, oh yeah. Uh, and then I think they have to leave that planet and find with the piggies to find something else. Is that right? Yeah, they're taking. He's taking everyone. He wants to. He wants to find a place where everyone can live. Yeah, in peace. In peace. Yeah, yeah. and I. Yeah, I mean as a. It's totally separate from Ender's Game and as like a three-part story outside of Ender's Game, I really, really loved it. It's a weird way to go and and I think that if they tried to make like movie sequels, it would not work. No, it's, it is, uh, yeah, it's getting into the weeds. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. Yeah, and it's I fun love it. For, yeah, to but, be like, what would I do with this character? But it, it, yeah. it essentially, it's one of those books, a lot like dune for me where people were like read the first one but you can just let the rest of them go because hmm. it's like they're just not as good or they're just very different but i think yeah. for fans who love the whole series like it's wonderful for them to have it but for people who like i like the first book i think it's okay to be like you don't have to read yeah the author spooling this out for <laughs> yeah for i mean i books. remember liking the second or i the the second through fourth books even more than ender's game i loved ender's game but like uh but the other ones i remember having a, like a fuller emotional experience yeah from them but i don't know if i'd ever go back to read them i don't know yeah i remember uh, yeah i read those as an adult and i read ender's game as a 
you know, a young young boy. Yeah. So I, I thought that I felt like that was different. They're like, oh, these are clearly <laughs> not like four kids. They're not like kids wouldn't read them, but they're very much not like cool laser tag and zero G. <laughs> right. Totally. And like, yeah. not about kids either. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I love that about Ender's Game. Um, but like Ender's Game is more of a crowd pleasing story, I think. Yeah. And I've always been someone who falls for things that are, you know, purposefully unique and not necessarily crowd pleasing because they're being themselves. And yeah. I think that, I think that the rest of that series f- fell into that category for me. And it really endeared the whole thing to me. I just like loved it. <laughs> I just I just had such a great experience with those books as a kid. Yeah, but and then but the first one is very much yeah. It's that wish for the, the first it's one like, you can recommend to a friend. It's like you know? I'm secretly being watched because I'm so good and like everything yeah. everything that I, every decision that I make is just. I know it sounds seems weird to everyone else, but if if geniuses were watching me. They would know that I'm making all the right choices for yeah. strategy. Wise. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. As, as like a a kid who was really full of myself and thought that I was so smart. Yeah, I was like, "This is me." And now, as an adult, I'm like, "Oh, poor smart kid. but misunderstood." Poor kid. Yeah, yeah, like as an adult, I'm like, "This whole system is fucked, and, and all these people are wrong, and nothing is good." <laughs> and he's he's bold. And and not into authority. He's like, I know better than everyone around me. Yeah. And they're like constantly rewarding him for that behavior. Yeah, it's interesting. It's <laughs> they interesting. promote him to, well, you're just so good that everyone should listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and they do. And they he wins the war. Yeah. But then he's sad about it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that. I remember the first time I read it, like that turning point where you realize, I obviously, spoiler warning for ender's game if you have um, not seen or read ender's game yet don't listen to the podcast why don't. are you doing that seriously well, or if you are be forewarned that spoiler spoiler yeah uh the i mean the whole premise that he doesn't know that he's actually fighting for real and he wipes out their whole planet yeah uh like that point in the book i remember just getting chills and just being like i i is this what's i, I is this what's happening are this is What's happening? Oh my god, this is what's happening. Yeah. Because you kind of catch on a little bit before they tell you. Um I don't know. I think some people might in the book. Yeah. For me for me, book. like I, I was really thinking heavily, like this this might all be a lie before it had happened. Uh yeah. And then it and then it was like so chilling to see it had happened. And in the movie I felt the same way. It's like, oh, they're leading up to it, they're leading up to it. And then it happened, and from that point on in the movie, I was that that section of the movie and beyond I was disappointed with. Uh, it's the one yeah. part where they went so literal with the adaptation that well, it just didn't land emotionally for me. Because I don't remember the end of the book, what happens. Is that what happens? Because I don't remember that happening at the end of the book, even though I, I assume that I, I is re- what happens. Uh, which part? Him, Him like, going, going to talk to the bug? finding... The queen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that does happen in the book. Like, finding... He does find, like, the 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 little egg sack or whatever in the book. But it felt so. But it, and it was all like tied up in his game and his game being real on this planet. Like all of that was there. Uh, but but the way it was represented for some reason felt like it was coming out of left field in the movie. I think it was the pace of the movie where yeah, everything totally. was sped up. Absolutely. And so he literally wins the war. He goes, "Leave me alone!" He yeah. runs. He goes to his room. He falls asleep for like two seconds. Yeah. And he goes, "I know where the bug queen is." He runs out the door. They're trying not to do this all in like five minutes. Totally. The the place where the where the queen is is literally like outside of the base they open the door and he can see the castle right. the thing that looks at the castle he's like look it's like 20 feet away and it's like why yeah i think that they made a point that in the book i i can't remember exactly what happened i'm not going to talk about there's the book there's probably I can't more time yeah. but that's the, that's the problem and is the time and, and like and the pacing a, was, was and it's like way an epilogue off. it's like yeah. an epilogue totally but they, yeah. but they cram it right down your throat at yeah. the end of that movie, in a yeah. way where it's like, you don't get to sit with the fact that he won the war. And he doesn't break emotionally the way that he does in the book. Like, it breaks him to discover that he destroyed this planet. And he just got, like, like you said, like, he's upset. He takes a two-hour nap, and then he runs out the door again. I mean, he lo- He clearly looks upset, but the, yeah. they don't give... they they. They don't give it any time, and the time would give it more weight. Or I agree. Something. Yeah, it totally. I feel like they could rushed. have used those exact scenes. 
they could have used all this footage and then spread it out over <laughs> like a ten episode Netflix miniseries. Yeah, like give him, and like it a... would have been great. I mean, everything they chose to do, I really liked. You know, it's just like it, the moments where they didn't give things time made it feel wrong. Showed a montage of him being despondent and yeah, like looking totally. out the window, and then totally. not being able to sleep, and then still having the dreams, and then. Then he figures out and he's got to go take something, like fly out way across this planet. And they're like, What are you doing? Yeah. You know, and then, then he's fine. He's got to find, not just like walk into a thing and then there's the egg. You know, yeah. Anything I think the to queen was, it. I think the queen was trying to get close to him. I think the, the queen yeah. was like knew where he was and was trying to be close to him. If I'm remembering the books correctly. Maybe. Yeah. That's but that's true. not in the movie. It could you be. know, it's not in the movie at all. That, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, that's true. But yeah, I, I, I felt. I also felt weird about just, like, the way everyone reacted to that big moment. Like, there was none of, like, the crazy reactions that I was expecting. Just remembering, like, the way that people reacted in the book and just the way I imagined that moment, it just felt too small. It felt like it needed to be directed they bigger. They showed those five guys clapping up in the booth. Yeah, totally. And then everyone else doesn't know what's going on. But it's like a I was science like, experiment went well. I would have liked like to... Not like we just won the war and saved humanity. Yeah, you know? I, I would have liked to have, like, all the lights go up... And, like, all the drone pilots who were, like, actual people, like, taking all of their helmets off. Like, maybe they all knew that it was real. Yeah. And, like, only the kids that were commanding. I think they did it. I, I, I would assume they did. Unless there were just other kids that were... I don't... I, I didn't really understand who the yeah, drone pilots were. Yeah, I'm not were. sure. Whether they were just I, all of that other stuff, I think, was clearer in the Battle book. school. I don't think that there were drone pilots in... Yeah. I were, were, that's what I was trying I think to remember. That maybe were, were they actually actual, pilots? I can't. Remember. And then I couldn't remember if in the first battle they used drones or were actual pilots. Uh, like in the movie, uh, they're obviously uh, actually he, piloting because they show them. Yeah, I think they are. And then I was pilots. trying to figure out if that was like propaganda material because you know this government's all about propaganda. I think that maybe they were. Yeah, I don't remember from the book whether, I don't remember whether they're losing actual pilots in all those fighters or if there's just people on the command ships. Maybe I should read these again. <laughs> mm, man. It's such a chunk of change of, like, reading time. You know, it's a big project. Yeah, it would be fun, though. Yeah, I, I, would re- I could reread the first one. but it's when, like, I was in college, when I was in college, I grew a beard because I was cast as a uh, prisoner in this, the first Star Trek movie in a scene that was cut out as uh-huh. a background extra. Uh-huh. So I had to grow a beard for three months. And it was in that time that I was reading Xenocide. Nice. <laughs> so I have this picture. It's like the only picture I have of me with the full beard because I didn't think to take a picture before I like <laughs> tried to trim it. And then I accidentally broke it and had to shave it off because I'm sure you've done that before. Oh, try Where you like, to... try to trim a beard and you fuck up and the whole thing has to go. Yeah, uh, I've, I've learned to uh, accept little divots and nicks every once in a while because yeah. i yeah i'm like well it's i'm i can't go i can't get rid of it that's I'll the just, thing it'll, it'll like, grow back in that it takes part. a couple days and then it'll fill and you'll be okay but i <laughs> i panicked i've definitely I, done that yeah I, I panicked shaved it all off so i never got a full picture of the beard except for this one picture uh i was like in the car reading xenocide my dad and i had driven out to borrego springs because he wanted to take pictures this spot in san diego and it was like so many bugs outside and I was getting chewed to pieces. So I didn't want to be out taking pictures. So I got back in the car and like shut everything up and just read Xenocide. <laughs> and he got this one shot of me when I didn't know I was going to have a picture taken. And I'm like looking over the book like, what's happening? <laughs> it's the only picture I have of me with that, with beard, that beard. And it's, uh, it's, it's with Xenocide in my hands. So I know exactly when I was reading that book. And it was like, yeah, like 2008-ish. I that's when I was reading it. Seven, maybe. Sounds about right. Like that's that's when I was reading it. Because that movie came out in two thousand nine, so it, was, it must have been like two thousand six or seven. I don't know exactly when it was, but it was around that time. I said it came out in two thousand thirteen. Uh the 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 movie did. Oh, yeah. But I was I was reading. The, I read the books like years before uh, I yeah. knew about the movies, and I had read Ender's Game like way younger, and then I read it again to read the other three, mm-hmm. and I read the other three in like quick succession. In, like, the mid-2000s. So I must have read Ender's Game in, like, the early 2000s for the first time, I think. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't think I reread it, but it's good. It's a good book. Maybe I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely, like, yeah, I, I wanted there to be... It was a very good book. I wanted yeah. there to be more. It was one of the coolest books. Well, we probably remember the movie better, and we should talk about that. And the movie <laughs> does a good job, I think, for, like, the most part. I think yeah. the ending is... they is a little weird. Yeah, I totally agree. But like everything else is fine. They rushed it a little bit. Everything feels a little rushed, but I think that they 
they hit all the notes, man. Yeah, I just but I do. I, I wish they it was. I wish it was longer. Like I wish they were in battle school more, and it was more about like him getting the army and yeah. all the battles that he had to do. Yeah, because I you didn't get enough time with at each of his different levels of battle school to get to know the people around him because those are the people who surround him in dragon squad. Like, uh, you know, well, I forget the girl's name. Petra. Petra. Yeah. And the guy, uh, a high or something. What's his name? A lie. Um, a lie and Petra were like much more fleshed out in the book. And you really had a sense of their camaraderie together. And Valentine, and Peter were not very well fleshed out in the movie, so well they had a whole B plot, yeah. in Ender's Game, which was you could easily do without, I suppose. Where they were, yeah, like, but they it's were just like, a time issue, you know. Like they, they were just like didn't have political time. pundits, right? Of of note under pen names. Oh my were, like, god, I totally forgot about that. Desmonda and something. Wow, else. I forgot about that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like they were maybe a little crazy to try to to compress. Ender's Game into a single movie. I I feel like they they had to go at such a breakneck pace through the plot yeah. to get to the end within two hours that it kind of for me it deflate, deflated the experience of the story a little bit. Yeah, and I think that you know, like the, the movie kind of flopped because people just didn't really connect to it. Yeah, and it's I, almost like a highlight reel of them. <laughs> totally, of the book. yeah, totally. It's not bad, but yeah. it's not, it doesn't really it doesn't really stand on its own. Yeah, but as a fan of the book, I really enjoyed the highlight reel. You know, like yeah. seeing like seeing that stuff for real was really cool. Yeah, the really battle cool. room and yeah. like the lines that you got to follow. You're yellow, so you got to follow the yellow line. Yeah, and they changed the battle rules. The battles. The battle. They changed the rules of the battles a little bit. Do you remember too. what they were before? You had to get four four um, soldiers, whatever, four team members, to put their helmets on each corner of the gate, the enemy gate, and oh. then one person would go through. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, instead of just yeah. getting one person through, it was like yeah. a little bit harder. How did, I mean, for me, it looked exactly how I'd imagined it. Yeah. Like, yeah. so close to how I'd imagined it. And I think it's... It's a testament to the quality of the descriptions in the book that, like, the what I saw was what the production designers also saw. But how about for you? Did it look how you expected, like, the battle room? Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think it's just, it's such a simple idea, and it's such a good idea. It's it, it's essentially expanding on the mechanics of a space battle that every other sci-fi movie ignores. Yeah. Or disregards, like... Ships all facing the same way. They're all horizontal. They're all you know, swooping around each other like they're like they're planes. Yeah, you know, there's no. But yeah, the whole idea, like the enemy gate is down. Yeah, the enemy like, gate you have is to down. set a down. Or like if you were flying an X-wing away from a Tie Fighter. Yeah, and you flipped it around, it would still be going as fast, and then you would just be shooting backwards at the Tie Fighter. Yeah. But you'd still be going just as fast, because nothing's oh, and, slowing you down. Right, I see you know what you're mean? saying. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That kind right, of, right, right, right. Making right. space battles like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. And that's something that I really connected to in the original story that they really did a great job with, I thought. There's a lot that they did a really great job with. but And I, I'm so, like, I'm a little bummed at the very end, because... I, the way that they represented the queen just was funny to me, and I you don't want the last moment to be funny in such a serious story. I I, I ended up laughing a couple times just at like the serious faces the kid was making and the because she was like touching the, his face. This like this the way everything fell to the music. Yeah, the the directorial choices there. Well, I for me it all became accidentally a little bit silly. It was well because the kid <laughs> he's a fine actor, but he's there's no. It's very hard to have a kid have the sort of gravitas to his performance that the things that are happening to him. Right. Um, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because Ender is defined by his empathy. Yeah. And I did not get that from this kid's performance. He he nailed so much of that character. Well, he the Ender in the movie is very different for me from the one in the books. He's 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 more of like a um like a young sociopath, shall we say? <laughs> whereas, yeah. Whereas yeah. in the books, he he was this uh, 
this person who who was just so smart um and but had so smart that he had to do things that he found distasteful because he didn't see another way right and that's why he would hurt people yeah and it, it came from this from this place of love and they they put in some of the dialogue about that but it didn't really land for me because like this kid seems like someone that if you back him into a corner he's so smart that he knows how to hurt you and he's gonna do it you know and it just it's a very subtle difference but it felt very it, it really changed the the character yeah, for me i think it i think it's yeah i think in the book you're inside of his head so you get right. you get a lot of the empathy that he feels, right? And you do get that a little bit when he's that upset when he like shows Bonzo in the shower and he's clearly hurt. Yeah, you know he is upset, but I mean the kid's just not doing. He does an okay job, act, but you don't get. Yeah, and who knows if that's direction too? Like, yeah, I, th- nothing was played as big as I would have wanted it to in any of the performances. Like everyone was really like, I'm Harrison Ford. And this is, this is how loud and how slow I speak. Always, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And everyone talked that way. Like Bonzo, at one point, he was like barking orders. He's like, "Okay, we're going in, and we're gonna do this." Do you ever do you notice how people do that in all movies these days? Everyone talks like, no matter what they're saying, they talk like this. I don't care how loud I have to be and how many lasers are firing in the background, but I have to talk like this the entire time. <laughs> when they'd be like, come on, we have to win this fight! They're just like, come on. I know. We have to win this fight. It's so... It, it bothers me. Yeah. That, it's so... Yeah, it's very... It's very easy just to pretend that there's stuff going on behind you. You can yeah. make your voice sound like this. Just yell, please, yell. yell. Just yell. There's not enough yelling. Yeah, there's so there's so many times where action scenes are happening and then people are speaking and it, it sounds like they're just in a quiet room. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's so weird because they are because they're doing ADR in a sound yeah. booth somewhere. Yeah, I mean none, none of the performances in this are 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 that great. Yeah, um, Ben Kingsley's good as Messerakum. I had no idea how to feel about that performance. It's okay. He's. I mean, he doesn't really do much. He's just so he was. like ben kingsley is is a british man of indian descent if i remember correctly i thought he was just welsh i'm not sure i don't know that's probably true i don't really know yeah uh but he was playing a a maori he was playing a kiwi a kiwi and his accent was very questionable i thought it was no i thought it was like you think so i thought it. i was very distracted by his accent I thought it sounded like Ben Kingsley. It sounded New Zealand enough, I mm. thought. I, I, I struggle with that. And <laughs> his, his performance was so bizarre. I just, I just kind of like put it aside as an outlier. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this, so I'm just going to move on with the story. <laughs> it was kind of fine, I thought. <laughs> I love Ben Kingsley, you know. But he's he's one of those actors like Johnny Depp who does something extreme every time. Yeah, and and just this, making a strange choice is yeah. is is gonna is that's the his choice. deal. Yeah. He's of that class of actors like Benicio del Toro. You know, oh, I love him in uh, what was it? Uh, Last Jedi, Iron Man three. Oh, uh, uh, ben, ben Kingsley. Kingsley. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. And I love that too. And they'll never see me coming. What he voice was, is that? He was fantastic <laughs> in that. That movie's fantastic. I loved that movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, and and I kept thinking about that performance, and then this character that he was making in this movie, and I'm like, I don't know anymore, Ben Kingsley. He's, yeah, he's fine. He's <laughs> this is too a, much for me. I don't know. I feel like maybe they didn't probably direct anyone that much in this. I don't know. I don't know yeah. who this director was. It didn't feel. Yeah, like... I've never heard of him, and he also <laughs> wrote the movie. Yeah, I don't, and I don't know the production companies. That yeah, we they didn't were, recognize any weird. of the names in the credits except for like the actors. It was really is weird. It, I don't know. Is it? Because isn't Orson Scott Card? Is he Mormon? <laughs> yeah, or he's Mormon, he... and, and by most accounts, he's kind of like a, a like a sexist, possibly racist, definitely anti-Semitic um, asshole. Yeah, yeah. Do I feel that in this movie a little bit? You think so? I don't know why. I don't know. Is it? They're trying to destroy a whole race, but they do feel bad about it. 
Oh man, <laughs> I yeah, I did not get that anything like that from the books as a kid. I felt like the books were all this message of peace. Yeah. But now, but it's hard for me to like learn that about the writer as an adult and I then know. look at the at the film with fresh eyes. It also makes and me, not question his motives in writing the story. It also makes me wonder about the movie and who made it and what. Do you ever worry about? Oh yeah, the I worry about behind that all the time. <laughs> totally. Well, like we talked about this with the Matrix. Like I, I felt like there was a little bit of a, an, of an agenda behind the third one, with like yeah. a, like a Christian agenda behind yeah, it. Yeah, that's. And I'm I always looking for that Christian. A agenda. little disturbed by that. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, I don't totally. like, it like when they Battle try Field to Earth, put it like, in science fiction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, trying to inject fiction. Scientology into a story so, to convert people. Speculative fiction is, yeah. and and religion or. C.S. Lewis They're in like, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, I, there's yeah. there's a lot of things that I feel weird about knowing where the author was coming from that I really enjoyed before I knew that. And that totally makes me question everything. You yeah, know, I'm sometimes. just like, yeah. who am I? What is God? What is the world? <laughs> <laughs> who are they? Is uh, this, is it safe? Is this safe? <laughs> I don't know. I saw a bumper sticker on the way here uh, and it said, metaphor be with you. Metaphor be with you. <laughs> it's, it's the worst. Because <laughs> you're. Metaphor I don't know. be with you. <laughs> Is it just. I don't get it, really. Yeah, it's like. Is it saying. Is it saying that may the force be with you is a metaphor and may that metaphor be with you? Or that you? all religions are metaphors and whatever metaphor you like, may it be with you? <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. It's a Zen koan about the Force. Uh, it was strange. It looked like someone had made it themselves somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what about this story? Like, what do you see in this story that you think might... No, th- I was just worrying about the odd production. Sometimes you're like, what? It's oh, because like, we didn't recognize the production companies. Yeah, yeah but totally. I don't know. Sometimes things happen with... I don't know where it's like, sometimes, yeah, you got to raise the money somehow. <laughs> to right. Make your movie. I totally. Guess. So I yeah I actually got an email recently from someone at uh, from I think from BYU from Bringing Brigham Young University mm. uh, or someone someone involved with BYU I think and they were making a sci-fi movie and the church was funding it yeah and they wanted to talk to me on the show and I like it said in the email that the the science fiction had nothing to do because I, I wrote back and i asked like what what is the relationship between byu and this production and they basically said like there is no religious message in this uh in this production um and it was something that i hadn't seen and yeah. i just got a little uncomfortable and decided not to put it on the show because i don't know and i shouldn't be talking about this now maybe but <gasps> but i but i i don't know i mean i i feel like if a if a religious institution is sponsoring a creative work there's probably going to be some some message that they want to get across in there that they're trying to get out through the work yeah it's weird there's a there's a weird hand in hand that goes with fantasy and speculative fiction and also religion because it's just a because religion is also fantasy <laughs> it is also fantasy but you're also but so many times those messages get f- filtered through just another story and it's just another way right to maybe bring those like whatever christian ideas it's fine if you if you that's your thing but like it seems sneaky when you sneak them into other stuff yeah i guess um, that's what bothers me about it is like it doesn't seem up front. And I have no idea because, if this production was doing that or not, and I just true. decided to not go there. But then also, there's this sort of thing where religion and science are not always friends. They're kind of enemies, and they sort of undermine each other. Well, I, f- I feel like science has no agenda, and I think that religion does in that argument like science yes. is science's only agenda science is exists. to uncover truth right you know and try to and try to find figure out how things around us work by proving it and the truth undermines religion the truth undermines someone who's telling you to believe what i want you to believe and don't question it right and and it always will <laughs> but in the but as well and and it is i think you're you're right the, the agenda is with religion because it's about control sorry yeah um, that they, t- are, especially now, days, they undermine science 
by getting people to not believe in it. <laughs> yeah, and that's dangerous. Like convincing people that you don't need to worry about the environment because the rapture is coming yeah. is fucking dangerous. You know, and like that's not something that I made up. Like that's something that I have heard other organizations trying to put out there to say right. like we don't need to worry about the environment and this is why is because like it, it we need to worry about you know like letting christ into your heart because that's how you'll be saved from the rapture you don't need to worry about the planet like i've i've heard that as an actual a reason why they are trying to undermine science you know yes who are we to uh, question god's will if god's will is for it to be hotter yeah so, so and like <laughs> That that type that type of thought is is dangerous. So like, then you wouldn't it's you, yeah you, when you get a movie that's like this is a piece of science fiction I'm enjoying, but you're like, well, who's this guy that wrote it? Yeah, what's his deal? Yeah, because <laughs> totally. they get sneaky about it, and then yeah, so yeah. And, but I don't I don't feel like Ender's Game as a story it doesn't feel has any because like what really matters is is you know what is the message of the movie, and I think that the message of this movie is. Uh, try to understand other people and have empathy for them. And I think that that's a very powerful message. And I think that that's a very correct message. So no matter where he's coming from, if that's the message that he's trying to portray, yeah. then I'm for it. But it is also like... His violence is rewarded the whole time. His strength... His willingness to do violence, not even just his strength. He's, yeah. His skills and stuff, but his willingness to kill, they're, they encourage that... He doesn't like it that they that they trick him into uh, by exploit they exploit that by tricking him right to get him to commit genocide to, right to in their mind save everybody right but nowhere do they ever really say that that's bad yeah and I guess for he me, feels like it's bad all of these themes were much clearer in the book that that they they tricked him into committing genocide when his instinct would have been to talk. His instinct would have been to understand his enemy, to understand what they wanted. But And this is also, like, they didn't really make this clear either, but this was a preemptive strike. Like, the, the buggers yeah. were not coming back to attack us. No. Uh, like, Earth decided, like, these guys came... To go get them. Yeah, these guys came and tried to kill us, and we're pissed, so we're gonna... It was like a big misunderstanding from the buggers' point of view, but then they decided, well, these people have the power to beat to kill us all, so we should go kill them first. Yeah, and that is what they wanted, and and Ender's revulsion at discovering that, and try and Ender's struggle to find a way to bring the buggers back through the other three books, like really, really tells you how to feel about that. That that was wrong, you know. I yeah, it's like for me, I didn't even think that they were like, well, m- m- hoping he would kill them all, right. And but it but like well let's not tell him it's real. So in case he questions that, I felt like it was like, oh he would question everything. Like to think that it's a simulation, you're not thinking about the people on the ships that are getting blown up right. or like the long term consequences. Right, you're focused on winning that battle in that moment, just flat out. Right. Without any, which any is the sort only of, way to win in this situation. Yeah, so it's like by like yeah, you know, not knowing the larger plan or or that it's real or anything, you're purely an engine of strategy is what they wanted. Yeah, strategy to the point where you would do anything to win because winning is the objective, and so he's only thinking he's winning just to prove himself. Worthy of his existence, because he's a third, right? and his only purpose has been to try to get into this battle yeah. school. They manipulated him emotionally so that he would win no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. And they gave him the tools, you know, to do it, the people around him, but that's what they wanted from him. Yeah. And he's the only one saying that, like, it matters how you do this, not just why you do this. Right, and it's not... I think for him, it had stakes. There were stakes yeah. involved in yeah. the simulation. And the emotional weight the of that message the doesn't stakes. resonate for me when it's just that one kid saying it, you know? And right. and it's not... And I don't really buy it. And also, like, he was so articulate in that moment, and I didn't buy that either. Yeah. He, it, he just seemed... It's that, like, sort of creepy thing where a really young kid acts like a, a much older person. Yeah. Um, like, Which sort of makes sense for the character, but in a way, of, it, but it, made it, really. it made it weird. Yeah, it made end. him seem a little a little more like a young sociopath than, like, a young, uh-huh. wise person. 
Because in the book, I, he seems so wise, you know, yeah. even from a young age. And, and that's, again, what a, a part of what I really connected to about the story. So, and that his wisdom guiding you through the story felt like something that helped me to understand the message of the books. Yeah. But, but now, like, that's what I'm afraid to go back and reread is because um, if, if I, if there's like a religious point of view behind that, and then he is supposed to be this sort of like religious figure. I guess. Who's walking through yeah. the world with wisdom that I'm not, not really everyone sure. else has. I might get uncomfortable I don't really know what, yeah, if if there's yeah. any, what the religious bent would be. On that. Yeah, I don't know I don't, either. I, I mean, I don't really and, and I don't, I don't care if the message I think is a positive one, but then like, what does that say about me that I'm the judge of like, what's good and bad, you know, <laughs> I, I'm obviously that's not true. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like, they don't know whether the bugs were going to come back and kill them, but they almost killed him before. So it makes sense to be like I, I like they might come back. Yeah. Like the dudes from Independence Day, they came back. But they didn't try like arrival to talk to him. Yeah. She got that arrival. Should have got Amy uh Adams. Amy Adams. Come down there. I still haven't seen that. I really I really need to see that movie. Yeah. It was good. That's another one that everyone was saying was so good that I didn't want to watch it for fear of being disappointed. <laughs> I need no, to, it's I need to good. Watch it's not that movies. exciting. Yeah. It's okay. It's Honestly, like, it's fun. the idea of sitting down and watching a movie is much less appealing to me than it used to be. Like, I'm so much more into TV. Mm-hmm. And also because most of the time when I watch a movie, even if I like it, I'm disappointed because it wasn't a TV show. Like, mm-hmm. Ender's Game, if that, if this had been a TV show, <laughs> with these actors, like, this this creative team, everything kept the same, Keep make it a TV show, I think yeah. they would have killed it i think they would have knocked it out of the park they yeah. needed more time to develop the themes from the book and i think that even you know the the actor with more time to be in that role might have you know reached a level still with that, that character that would have you been know? maybe a little bit deeper so i don't know yeah i mean if they do it at this point they probably reboot it and i'm happy with that too i i do think that oh well yeah i do same. think that there there is a story in ender's game that works brilliantly well on on us on TV or on the big screen somehow. I feel like this got pretty close, but for me, it didn't quite do it. I think it got close, but I think it was good. But and it, I think it proves that that's a fun story. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, it's you could have spent more time with it. I could have so many more of those battle room battles. I could have that. Yeah, totally. I needed way more of that. Yeah. It was so cool. Mm-hmm. They did such a good job with that. Like they they really visualized that in a way that like overjoyed me because mm-hmm. it was so cool and so much like how I'd imagined it. Totally. And I felt that intense desire to do that, which I felt reading the books. And reading the books, I felt this intense desire to see it. And now that I've seen it, I want to do it, you know? Yeah. Like, I always kind of wanted to do Zero it, but gravity. no, I really want to do it. Yeah. Like, that's the type of, like, gaming experience that I'm looking for. It's flying <laughs> through, like, flying through, uh, you know, uh, zero G with a crazy laser weapon in a cool suit that does weird things to my body. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't want to be caught up in that restrictive suit. That sounds scary. Uh, you can't yeah. move. It does sound scary, but... What, can you breathe? It's also cool. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I feel like there's a safety release. Yeah. It'll I'm get sure. you out of that. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I, just don't, I feel like I'm claustrophobic. I don't... Uh, yeah, totally. Or as I, the idea of being restrained in any way is, I find, very upsetting. Hmm, interesting. <sighs> Let's not talk about it. All right. Well, I, I feel like we did it. I think that Ender's Game, two stars. Out of how up. many? Out of four? Out of three. Out no, of three. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> Out of two. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I liked it, and I liked the, you know, I liked the dream stuff was cool. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Like, the, the representation of his game was also awesome. Yeah, it was. Like, his, the actual titular game ender's game ender's like his, game. his vr simulation thing well not vr i guess it's just the like, whole thing it, it, it ties into his brain so he what he sees on the screen is what he wants oh yeah to cerebral happen. control that's yeah cool. cerebral control i can't wait for that in video games i don't have to muck around with my thumbs yeah totally that that was so cool and also to recognize that like the the giant ogre in the beginning i'm like oh my god i recognize this from the book this is crazy yeah, cool yeah yeah crazy cool like they did some so much that I don't know, but it doesn't stand on its own for me because the no. things that I loved about it were things I recognized and I liked through recognition. But yeah, it's like they didn't mess the book up right, right, by right. bringing it to a movie, but they right. didn't but they make, make a good, a good movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of messing up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, you know? 
It like, could have been worse. It could have been worse. Yeah. I think. I, I think, like, the high watermark for me is Fellowship of the Ring. Like, that movie is took, took a, a book and made a perfect film out of it. Like, yeah. they changed what they needed to, and they paced it well. Like, the first movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, one of my favorite movies ever. It's the good. other two movies, I think, get worse and worse as they get more CG, but are still very, very, very good. Yeah. And then the Hobbit movies are obviously garbage. Yeah. But, I don't know, whenever I think about how it's impossible to adapt a complex book story into a film, I always think about Fellowship of the Ring, and I'm like, nope, like, it can be done. did it. It yeah. can be done. It can be done. It yeah. can be done. But I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any other, like, brilliant examples. Oh, um... Harry Potter 3 was really good. Yeah, some of the Harry Potter... Well, you mean consistently, those were good adaptations they made. I felt like, like the first ten, three were good adaptations, and I had massive issues with most of the rest of them. Like, the, the Goblet of Fire, they cut out... or They cut out so much of what I loved in the book, but then they added in this ridiculous sequence where the dragon is chasing Harry around Hogwarts. I'm like, we don't need that. We didn't need yeah. to spend time doing that. Yeah. And the amount of money and resources that you spent doing this thing that's not that interesting. And you cut out... All this other stuff that I really wanted to see, and yeah. now I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think the two books from my childhood that I read a fair amount, but I wasn't didn't read that many. The two books that I wanted to see movies of the most were this and Ender's Game and, uh, and like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. And neither of them were very good. I I but, love the Hitchhikers movie, but it has similar. No, it has parts it has, that are okay. It has similar issues where I don't know. No, I really like that movie. Oh, I no, really we like gotta it. save this for another podcast. Oh, <laughs> we should because I will talk shit about that movie. I I really like that movie. I had high hopes for that movie. The I, cast was very good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could have been better, but. Besides that, I really loved it. And I feel like almost almost anything could have been better. Yeah. Like, the books are awesome. But even the books could have been better. I've been, like, rereading them. And book three was not as good as I remembered it being. Book I three was a little I, rough. I don't know how far. I think I read three. Yeah. I don't think I read four. One and two were fantastic. Three was rough for me. Four I really liked. And then five I actually only got halfway through. I still need to finish. What's and the one I, where they go back to Earth and it's all the people from the sea ship? It's, like, all... The pl- it's like Earth is the whole population of Earth is like descended from the the population from another planet where oh yeah like, that happens like, in uh, there's a a arc in book there's two. a b right 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 arc, and yeah. the c arc and like all, all the, the doctors and everyone yeah, are so on like a and then all the um like like skilled workers are on yeah. like b and then c and then are like all the hairdressers <laughs> and like bank tellers and stuff and then yeah. They just and then, but that's the only ship that leaves. I think yeah. it's that's, yeah. that's the one that ends up like crash landing crashing on into Earth, Earth, and the, so and that's why we're all seeding the population that's why with we're riffraff. All such, such yeah, goons. that's why we're all riffraff. Yeah. yeah, that was the second one. I that's think. the second book. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, the I third the third book was a a Doctor Who story that uh that what's his name was working on. That's what all those Dirk Gently things are. I've watched, heard that too. Have yeah, you watched Dirk Gently. I tried, man. I love the books. Well, I liked the first one. The second one was fantastic. Yeah, I tried to watch the show, and I got like three or four episodes in, and I just, it just was like they just wanted to make Doctor Who, but couldn't, so they just made another show that was just like Doctor Who. Well, that's what that's what Dirk Gently was. It was like another thing where he it was just it was like old Doctor Who scripts. It was, no, yeah. it, was, it was scripts that he'd written that, that were they not, didn't use. Yeah, that were that not bought produced. by. What, what's his name? I can't remember his name right now. Douglas I know his Adams. Name. Douglas Adams. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess. I guess that's true. But, <laughs> but I don't know. Something about seeing it just like came too close to Doctor Who to be quite enjoyable. Except it was so frustrating and aggravating. Yeah. And I only watched the first couple episodes. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy it that much, so I stopped watching it. I was watching it with Andy, and neither of us kind of bit yeah. into it. Um. But you know what we have been watching is fucking Steven Universe, dude. That show oh, yeah. is fucking that's good. awesome. It's so good. We're in season two now. Like Tom, season one Tom is sharpling. Uh, it's what? Uh, it's my uh, uh, podcast uh, show. I listen to the best show. Oh, with Tom Sharpling. Tom Sharpling plays uh, his uh, Stephen's dad. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. What's the podcast about? 
It's a call-in show. It's a, he's been doing it for like 20 years. Really? So, yeah, he just talks about stuff and people call in. He has topics. And, oh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. It's very good. It's, yeah, on, he's it's on live on every Tuesday. Oh, nice. Uh, from like 6 to 9 our time. Cool. 9 to midnight their time. And it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that show is like... He had a, um, what's her name? Is it Rebecca Sugar? Rebecca Sugar, yeah. Yeah, he, she was on um, oh, I'll have to not check that, that long out. ago. Yeah, the show is like constantly surprising me with how good it's getting. Because it starts out just kind of like a you know a mediocre kids show with some fun ideas. Yeah, I've watched some of it, but I need to watch yeah. more. But it it gets into its own mythology, and it, that is deep. Like yeah. the mythology is so good, but the mythology all exists to create emotional moments between the characters, and that's exactly what I like in TV. Yeah. So I'm super super into it. I'm really enjoying it. It's good. And then Jinx Monsoon is on it now. Oh really? Yeah, uh, they're a, like a newer gem. Oh okay, I don't think I'm there yet. No, it's like the newer episodes. I think. Oh fun! Yeah, I can't wait. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that show a lot. Anyway, Ender's Game. It's okay. If you like the, if you like the book, if you like the watch book, the watch the movie. It. Yeah, and don't be too disappointed if you don't. It, yeah, it re- if you are interested in it, wa- read the book first. Yeah, read for the, the love book. of God, don't watch the movie first. Yeah, it will probably turn you off. To wanting to read the book. Uh, yeah. I just want to play in the battle room. I know. That's a VR game that I would want to play. Mm-hmm. That'd be so cool. I want that in real life. Just build it. Yeah, totally. But until we get there, yeah, I'll play it on VR. Okay. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. This yeah, is always so much always, fun. Yeah, I was like, oh, Ender's Game. I, I wonder if Jesse's read those books. Yeah. That was a great so idea, dude. I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually been talking about doing an Ender's Game show for a long time to watch the movie. And we just did it. And there it is. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about more. Maybe we should... I don't want to reread those books. Man. I know. Well, we... So we talked about doing the director series for the Wachowskis, and I think both of us are afraid to watch... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to watch not just Jupiter Ascending, but also Cloud Atlas. Yeah. They both look they're, so boring. Yeah, they're both... They, they are, I think. But should we do it? Should we commit to it? Because we just watched the Matrix trilogy recently. That's true. And Speed Racer, I've never seen. I've never seen that either. Bound is good. I haven't seen that either. Bound is good. I like yeah. that. We, I mean, when we do a director series, we have to like have seen everything, and that's a little overwhelming. Maybe we just do like a Jupiter Ascending podcast, where we just watch that movie and then record an episode. And that's for the... Yeah. Yeah. And then and the we, we get back to the director series after we've seen it all. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Or that is the director series, is just us watching each of the movies. Sure. That's fine. You yeah. don't have to do it all at once. Yeah. That's, that's by not less daunting homework. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having movie watching homework feels bad. It's weird. Sometimes. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like when I had to watch, when we did the crystal skull, I'm like, well, I'm going to make sure I rewatch all the Indiana Jones movies. So I'm prepared. That was a joy. And like, yeah. that was so great. And like John Carpenter watching Starman and like all these other yeah. movies, like really quickly was actually really, really fun. But for some reason this time it feels like a drag. And I haven't even seen those movies yet, Maybe but I'm we like, should just pick someone else. <laughs> I'm like hesitant to watch it. You know, we're we not, could pick someone else. Yeah, we're not committed to the Wachowskis. Yeah, we could do something else. I don't know. Well, maybe we start with just trying to watch Jupiter Ascending and see what happens. I'm just trying to avoid that. Yeah, I tried to watch that. No, I'll watch it again. I do want to see it. I'm curious. I'd and Cloud just... Atlas, I'm curious about too. Yeah, I just need some coffee. I think to get through. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Or we won't, and it'll never happen. But either way, way. life goes on. (laughs) All right, dude, thank you so much. Buggers. Next week, I have a fantastic show I'm so excited to share with you. I, uh, just a couple days ago, had a really wonderful conversation over the phone with a feminist sci-fi scholar and writer by the name of Marlene S. Barr. Uh, She was fantastic to talk to. She's got a new collection of short stories coming out that are all about resisting Trump through science fiction, and it was wonderful. It's like right up my alley. (laughs) I was so happy to talk to her about it. And then after that, we are jumping into Firefly. So I've already recorded the first three episodes of Firefly with my friend Jane Smith, who you've heard on the show before. We're going to be going through every episode one at a time. It's been 
so much fun. Just the first three episodes so far have been so much fun. So I'll be doing a bunch of episodes of Firefly back-to-back. I won't go through the whole show back-to-back. I will throw in Babylon 5 Season 4 in there somewhere because I'm recording that with Doug in the upcoming week since I have finished Season 4. And oh my God, I have so many things to say about it. Uh, All that's coming up very soon on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider supporting this show on Patreon. You can find more information at patreon.com slash Sci-Fi. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Sci-Fi Project. Check out my website, jessemercury.com. For more podcasts, my Sci-Fi synth-pop album and music videos. And then check me out on YouTube, youtube.com slash jessemercurysci-fi, where you can find me doing sci-fi-related things as well as playing video games on the internet. I just crossed 1,000 subscribers recently. The game streaming thing has really been exciting, and I would love for you to check it out. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much. Until next time, stay nerdy out there.